2024 promises to provide stiff challenges for all of us. We could say that at the beginning of every year, and, uh, but it seems a little more true this year. We face what I think will likely be an unprecedented presidential election. Our country is involved in two different wars in one way or another, um, and, uh, but that what happens in other parts of the world affects everyone. And, and we're also, we continue to be in the midst of a season where there's confusion about what a, what a man is and what a woman is. And sometimes that confusion is passed along to the, the absolutely most vulnerable people in our community. And there are many Americans I said this last week, there are many Americans who are preparing for this particular moment of difficulty by scaling back their engagement in the life of the church. And that is not going to work out well for anyone, not for the individuals, not for families, not for churches, not for communities, not for the world. And so in the beginning of this year, we are preaching three messages that talk about anchors that uh, for, for us to uh, drill into and to hang on to and, for, and that God will use to secure us as we go through uh, this year. This morning, I want to talk to you about the anchor of God's Word. And the title of this message is Why We Need God's Word. And it's from the book of Ezekiel. There's not a, a, a in general, there's not a lot of Ezekiel that people generally know about. But if there's anything at all about the book of Ezekiel that you know, you've probably heard this particular incident. It's in Ezekiel 37 and speaks about the valley of dry bones. The prophet Ezekiel lived uh, after the kingdom of Israel had been exiled for their generations of disobedience to God. Eventually, God removed his protection from them and the people were exiled away. They were, they were led away by force and, and forced to leave their homes. And the people were desperate. They were disillusioned. They were in despair. They were hopeless. And, and Ezekiel would, was carted off right there with them. And he ministered in the midst of that difficulty. And this message is a specific message to them and directly relevant to you and I. Here's the question we're going to get out this morning. How will you rearrange your life around the truth that everything you need comes from God through his word? How will you and I rearrange our lives around the truth that everything we need comes from God through his word? God's word is not a list of rules. It is God revealing himself to us through it as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we in his power, give our attention to it and orient our lives around that, then he transforms our hearts. He transforms our thinking so that a growing desire and the power to do it actually wells up inside of us in God's strength and God's power. So first of all, I want you to see how we're going to get at this to see and appreciate the impossibility 
of eternal change. It's impossible. You and I cannot do that on our own. Look with me, if you will, at Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 6. I love the way this starts. I I don't have time to comment on every phrase as much as I would enjoy the opportunity to do that, but I I love the way it starts. The, The prophets have different ways of saying that God spoke to me or God directed me, but the hand of the Lord was on me. He says to, to drive him along to do this. And he brought me not out, he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God. You know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Because I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and I will cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. That phrase occurs three times in the text. The goal of worship, the goal of our gathering, the goal of the Word of God is not to acquire a list of do's and don'ts. It is that we may know God. That, that's the goal. This is what this aims at. This is a, a vision that God gave the prophet through his spirit. And it depicts a desperate situation And the prophet is not just given a casual glance. The text specifically describes him staring at it, looking hard at the circumstance so that there would be no mistaking this this vision. And another aspect of this, it's not immediately obvious in Scripture, the, the mountain is the place where you meet God. A mountain is the place of, of where God's presence lies. And, and the valley is, is a place of, of despair and darkness. And so if that, if that hint weren't enough, there's, there's these, these bones. There, there are no organization. There, there are very many of them, and they're very dry, meaning they're very dead. Or as they would say in the Princess Bride, they're not mostly dead. They're all dead. And they've been that, in that situation for a long time. And so the prophet gets a good hard look at this circumstance. And, and we're meant to stare at this desperate and difficult and impossible situation. And we hear the voice of God along with the prophet asking, can these bones live and Ezekiel's answer is, is, in, is insightful. He, he doesn't, he says neither, God, this situation is hopeless, and, and throws up his hands, nor does he glibly say, well, God, of course you can do, you can do anything, no problem. He says, he, he puts it back in God's hands, is like, God, I, I don't know. I, it, it looks hopeless to me, but you know. This is in your 
court. And so then there's the command to the prophet to, to prophesy, to, to speak, to preach the word. And then the command to the people to hear, hear the word of the Lord. And then surely you noticed as I read the promise over and over and over there's something for the people to do, but all of the power, all of the action, all of the enablement comes from God. I will do this. I will make this circumstance different. It's me that you need to have confidence in. I couldn't help but think about, as I studied this, looking at this a couple of weeks ago, a reminder of a, a passage in Ephesians chapter 2, the, verse, the first three verses, where Paul describes the spiritual need of every person who has ever lived. And he says, including himself, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. The whole of the message of the Bible teaches that we cannot make ourselves well spiritually. We can't fix ourselves. And we are desperate for God's help. It's, we're not just in need of a little reform. We are spiritually dead and require God to do what only God can do through his word in our hearts. Some of you know of the author and pastor by the name of David Platt. He pastors a church in Northern Virginia now. He tells the story when he was in seminary in New Orleans in their preaching classes. His preaching professor took them all to a cemetery. And then the assignment was to preach to the graves. It's just a, a visceral Reminder that you can't do and we can't do, this church can't do, I can't do, no pastor can do what needs doing. We are spiritually dead unless God awakens us. And we need to appreciate the impossibility of eternal change in and of ourselves. We can't save ourselves spiritually. We can't save ourselves emotionally. And no church or ministry or family or community or country can be made well exclusively through human-centered means. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing for us to do. We're commanded to speak the word of God and we're commanded to hear it faithfully. But it's God who causes the, 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 the resurrection and then the ongoing process. A friend sent me an article just Friday uh, from the magazine Business Insider. Maybe you don't have that on your nightstand, but um, the article was called Why America Hates Its Children. And it was a, it was a sad article regarding a, a lack of support for young families and a call for better tax subsidies and, and family leave and, and early childhood education. And, and some of that might be helpful. But listen, 
any attempt to address heart problems, spiritual problems with only human means will fail. And so apart from God's word delivered through God's church, there is, there is no hope. There is no hope for me. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for your family. There's no hope for this church, this community, or this world. All of those, you know, we're to use our gifts and abilities and talents, and I'm not saying that only, un, only believers can do good in the world. That's, that's absolutely not the case. But spiritual problems, eternal problems, can only be handled through God's word. Only God's word can make us well. And so we must hear the word of the Lord and listen, no person on the earth, I, I don't care, I don't care what their religion is, what their what their commitment is, whether they're atheist or some other thing or some version of Christian. There is no one on the earth who is safe or who can operate in the world sanely without planting themselves at a high level and being engaged in a church where someone will do what I've been doing over the past few weeks, pouring over this text and will stand up in the power of the Spirit and with, with all the passion God is working through them and say, hear the word of the Lord. There's no other way to be well. There's no other way to see the world accurately. And some of you, many of you I know because you're here, you're here regularly and you're committed. Many of you I don't know because you're a guest with us today. But I plead with you. There is no other way to do this. But I will go further. If you only hear the word of the Lord when you gather with other believers, I, I, I don't think that's going to work well long term for you either. That There's a sense in which you're then re, only relying on other people to feed you. And so I urge you, I urge you to commit right now if this is not your commitment. I urge you for the rest of your life until you see Jesus face to face. You commit yourself to reading all of God's word every year from now on. Even if you can't read, there are multiple means of apps and things that you can, you can listen to it. If, if nothing else, while you're going to sleep or while you're getting ready in the morning, there is, there is so many helps to do this. I urge you to commit to do this. And somewhere I thought I had in my possession, I, I lost it. We have put together for you a booklet. You've got it, don't you? Thank you. Maybe I shouldn't lean over there too far. All right. I have fallen big time right in front of everybody in a church service just like this. I'll try to avoid that today. So I want you to know, I mean, I've been following a particular Bible reading plan every year, and I started it early this year, but I'm switching to this one because I want you to do it with me. You, you don't have to start. You can start a Bible reading plan some other time than January the 1st. It, it doesn't matter. This is, this is called the Navigator's Bible Reading Plan. It'll take you through in a year. And these are out on the table right out that door. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to start this tomorrow. I ask you to do it with me. Uh, I'm, I'm abandoning my plan, that, or maybe I'll stick with both of them. I, I don't know. But what else have I got to do besides read the Bible, right? That's what you think. What else do pastors do? Um, at any rate, this is out there. This is a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, little piece that we've created. I mean, 
not this we, but, but we, uh, and folks from Coastal. Uh, um, anyway, that's out there. Goodness gracious. 10 to 15 minutes a day. This is not a guilt thing. It's not a legalistic thing. Look at, listen, God, God wants to speak to you. God wants to make you alive. Wow, it's late. But I, I got to tell you the story, and then I'm going to show you the, I got to show you a couple other things in this text. Thursday night. This never happened to me before. Kat and Noel and I were sitting, we're having restaurant, we're having dinner in a local restaurant, and I got choked on a piece of lettuce. I'm not sure if a piece of lettuce could have actually taken me down, but it felt like, it was like right now, I mean, right there in the restaurant, you know, Kat immediately sees what's going on, and I'm like, right there in front of God and everybody, I stand up, Kat gets behind me, and she does the Heimlich, and as you can see that I'm here, it worked. But I'm telling you what, there was an urgency to getting that taken care of. It was immediately obviously in me that something's not right, and this has got to happen. Your commitment to and intake of the Word of God is more critical than that. It just happens slower, and so we don't feel the urgency. But outside of a bedrock commitment to a church where they will do this with the Scripture and your reading, it will become tragically obvious in this life later. But even if not, even for those who will skate through this life without any significant difficulty. And I'm not saying that everyone who doesn't do that is, is not going to go to heaven, but it will become tragically, horrifically evident in eternity how important that was. How will you rearrange your life around the truth that everything you need comes from God? through his word the second part of this quickly is to trust god to work in stages in his time let me read you the second part of the text i promise the other two points are not going to take that long so ezekiel says i prophesied as i was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a, a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come on them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. We think, every culture is not like this, but in this culture, we think as individuals. But that is, that is not the way God intends for his people to think about themselves. We think about our engagement in a local church based on our personal circumstances as it affects us. 
God never intended for his people to think like that. We're to think about how, the, how we do this together. And what, what the prophet, he, he first hears something here and then he sees something here. And the thing to notice here is that it doesn't happen all at once. It, it's, there, it, it happens in at least two stages. And one way of reading this, it, it, happens, it happens over time. But there's a coming together. One of the most interesting things that Jesus ever did was that, and some of you will remember this, he, he healed a blind person's uh, eyes in two stages. And it was one of those occasions where he spit on the man's eyes and then asked him, what is it, what do you see? And he said, I see, I see people like trees. And then, and then Jesus touched him a second time and then he was completely healed it wasn't that Jesus was you know feeling a little down that day and he took a shot and it didn't quite it didn't quite work and so he had to do it again no it it, it illustrated like this text does that that we you know we want things to happen fast it's, it's easier to take appeal, 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 P-I-L-L, -L -L, to, uh, to deal with your blood pressure instead of exercising. I'm preaching to myself here. It's, um, it's easier to get fast food and to take the time to, to, um, to create a meal. It's easier to, to watch pornography than to build a relationship according to God's plan and, and to follow that for sexual expression according to God's leading. We like for things to happen fast. We want it right now. That's not the way God works. God works over time, and we have to trust him to do that. Now, there's a couple of interesting clues here, and I'm going to move on, but the, in the original languages of Scripture, the word, the word for breath is the same word for spirit. This is talking about, uh, a lot of this is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And what God is doing in this resurrection and this recreation is, and, and this is where I get this, just the reminder is it is across Scripture that this is not just a message to individuals. God is building an, an army. He means for us to, to be together. He, he, and there is no such thing anywhere in Scripture of a believer on their own disconnected from the life of a local church. And in spite of all of these stories that are going on in the culture about uh, deconversion and, and de-churching and ex-evangelicals and all of that, God's church is still the most uh, thorough and powerful organization in all the world. It is everywhere in all sizes and shapes and styles, but God is at work and there is no person who is safe outside of that. God means to pull us in together. So last chunk of the text, very quickly, is that we're to set an intentional strategy to cooperate with how God works. God said to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Again, not talking to individuals, he's talking to God's people. Behold, they say, and look, you, you get the sense here of how discouraged they are. Our bones are dried up and our, our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land." Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. So here's, here's what I want to share with you here and then, and then I'll be done. But I'm going to meddle a little bit in the closing. All of the work depends on God. And what a tragedy what a tragedy it would be if we went to all of this effort, all of this expense to, to renovate these facilities, all of the effort to start a nonprofit, all of the conversations and the words and the, and the praying and the effort to become a part of Coastal Church. As if we're somehow relying on these things to accomplish God's purposes. That's not what we're doing. But on the other hand, trusting God, trusting God does not mean that we do nothing. We, God, God doesn't cook our food for us. God didn't dress you in the morning. God, God intends, it's not just that God, it, he doesn't need us, he could have done it differently, but he intends for us to be involved. Let me give you an example. How many weeks would you put up with if I showed up here at this spot on Sunday morning and I said, I just prayed this week. I didn't spend any time studying scripture. I'm just going to read some scripture and start talking. And we're just going to trust God to speak today. You might, you might not get too crazy if I did that once. But after a few weeks of that, you would rightly conclude, Gene's just quit working. He's, he's gotten lazy. And so I say all that to say, we, this, this passage is about God's role. But that doesn't mean we do nothing. And so some of the concerns and criticisms for those who've wrestled with the things that we have done, the building, the becoming part of Coastal, the, the starting of Village Green, I've heard people say, why, why don't we just trust God? Why are we doing all of that? And that is because that God has, God has gifted all of us for service and you wouldn't tolerate me just phoning it in and it's not because it's my job you know that God calls every believer to serve and to use their gifts in ministry and so part of those gifts in ministry and opportunities and resources are to use the resources God has given for kingdom ends and to use the strategic thinking and ability to how can we cooperate better with resources that God has made available to us? And part of it is to, to take the gifts and abilities of those who can do communications really well, like that booklet I just showed you, and like some of the graphics and things on the screen. 
There is a sense in which we see this effort and say, ah, that, that doesn't feel right. It looks like we're trying too hard to use man's means to accomplish God's purposes. But that's not what it is. We are radically dependent on God to do his part, to do what only he can do. But that doesn't mean that we sit back and wait for God to feed us or for God to do all of the thinking for us. He means for us to all to serve with the gifts that he has given so here's how we do this at Coastal Church Bethany Campus. We connect, we grow, we serve, and we multiply. So how is God calling you to connect with him through corporate worship and through reorienting your life so you get before God in this book daily? And how is God calling you to grow by Signing up to be a part of a small group or one of the spiritual formation classes so that you're gathering with other people to do that. And how is God calling you to serve in some sort of ministry inside of this church, within the walls, so to speak, and in some sort of mission outside of the church? And then finally, the multiply piece it's not just about you. Who will you take with you on that journey to follow God? How is God calling you to do that? I, I know this is, some of you go to church other places, but let me say as strongly as I can, and you can pray for us as you go back to your own church. You're not here by accident. And let's pray together to engage. The, the time to get off the fence, to, the, the time for fence sitting is over. Some of you have taken the We Are Coastal class and you haven't yet signed your membership covenant. Sign that thing and let's get to work. Others of you have not yet taken the class and we're offering another one on February the 4th on Sunday afternoon and you can, you can sign up for that today in one of the booths. But the first step for anyone, and I'll close with this, I promise, is about responding to the gospel. Have you done that? I mean, none, none of what I said will make any difference or any sense outside of that. God is our creator. You're, you're, you didn't show up on the earth by accident. He created you on purpose. And when you and I entered into the world, we chose to sin. We chose to do what God said not to do, and we chose to do what, not to do what God said to do. I might have said that wrong, but I'm expecting you to clean it up. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to live the life that you and I should have lived and did not. And then he died the death that you and I deserve to die for our sin so that when we trust what he did on the cross, God brings us into our, his family and gives us a new heart so that new life in him, in his power, can be our pleasure. Let's pray. Father, accomplish your purposes in us, in this church, in this community, in our hearts. Draw us to yourself.
May each of us in the room and watching my live stream surrender to you because he who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.